With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. When it's time for a new credit card, the best ones do way more than just buy stuff. And that's why U.S. Bank offers credit cards that make every day more rewarding. Earn cash back. Score points when you shop, dine out, travel, or binge watch. Or get a low intro APR. U.S. Bank credit cards were designed to fit your lifestyle. So make every day more rewarding. And check out usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. Welcome to RotoWire's Offensive Assault. This is the April 13th edition. This is recorded on Thursday. Uh, it's, I mean, we've, we've talked about Fiesta Watch now for a little bit on, on the RotoWire Network for eSports podcasts. We've had White and Noah talk a lot about League of Legends MOBAs and everything else alongside that, but I thought it was time that we get a little bit more in some of the first-person shooters, That whether that be CSGO, Call of Duty, Halo, Overwatch, um, I, that's, I think that's where we're going with this podcast, and I'm excited to kind of get it launched, Wyatt. Yeah, me too. You know, we've been talking about doing this this uh, FPS one for a while, and while I do love MOBAs, FPS is kind of a near and dear to my heart. I've been playing Halo and Call of Duty for a long time now, so I'm so ready to talk about these games. Admit it, this is going to be your more favorite podcast as opposed to Fiesta Watch. I mean, I feel like I'm contractually obligated to not answer that question that's just not true. because. No, 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 I'm your boss. You have to answer that question. <laughs> that's true. That's true. Well, <laughs> I, as my boss, I hope that Noah, if he's listening, just knows that I am being strong armed into this answer. Um, I, you know, I love my two podcast children equally, and I think that both of them will be be fruitful, and I will have a lot of fun on either podcast. Because actually, good parent, you, this is. This but is you, not- you don't. You don't like Power Rangers, though, so that's why I think this is going to... Why does this need to get brought up right away? We're, we're ready to talk about some Call of Duty, some CSGO. Why didn't you even be talking about Power Rangers? Because it still hurts my soul that you don't like Power Rangers. I'm sorry it's... I can't be the perfect guy. All right, why? That's that's just how it is. I, I never really got into it. I'd much rather watch Pokemon on CW13 uh, or whatever it was called back in the day. That was the that was the show to watch as opposed to Power Rangers, and I'm completely fine admitting that. I've heard good things about the movie. Like I can't, I can't. Yeah, I can't, uh, that was good. I guess I'm not going to go see it. Uh, I probably won't even rent it. But hey, go oh, for Joe. the Power Rangers. I had a good movie because I was expecting that to be just awful. 
No, I was too. I was pleasantly surprised at how good that movie was, actually. <laughs> I feel like that's the universal statement. Before we even get into the, the CSGO and Call of Duty talk, why, why was everyone expecting Power Rangers to just be so terrible? Well, because as good as Power... I mean, as, as much as I might wax poetic about Power Rangers, it's an objectively terrible show. Like, it, it's so bad. It, it is edited like a five-year-old with extreme ADHD. Um, it bounces all over the place. In the movie, the first movie... I went and watched it back a couple of weeks ago, thinking, you know, thinking fondly back onto it from when I was a kid, and it is bad. The CG, like the CGI, is terrible for the Zords and everything. The Power Rangers are barely in their suits for like five minutes of the movie. So the fact that this movie actually did service to the characters, gave you some depth, and had some really cool fight scenes. So I think that's why everybody was just surprised because the trailers didn't look all that great either. But it actually turned out to be a pretty good movie. I guess we have to be happy about that, but I. You know, I, I'm indifferent. I can care less about it. I'm sorry, but this is not my thing. I'm fine admitting that. I'm fine. It's all taking, good. Taking the flame wherever it comes from. That that's, that's all right with me. Um, <laughs> right, let's get let's get past Power Rangers now. Uh, let's get let's, into a little let's. bit of CS:GO. I think that'll be kind of the main thing when we start out with most of these podcasts, unless there's a there's a huge story that comes from the other ones. And CS:GO is primarily one of the biggest FPS games uh, in the esports industry, and I think the first story that really jumped out to me after I came back from my Long overdue, much deserved vacation. Thank you, Wyatt, for covering for me. Um, was that Winter Fox? There's a story uh, from I think I'm pretty positive it's Slingshot Esports. They do fantastic journalism over there, um, and DK in particular does a great job. He announced um, that Winter Fox did not pay um, the players or something along the lines where they couldn't actually get home from Australia. Is, is that correct? Yeah, so so it turns out what happened was their owner not only did they did he not pay some of the players, like some of the players are missing upwards of like three grand dating back to October, but he also didn't help them get their visas to for their return flights to the US so that they can continue playing in the ESL Pro League. So now they're stranded and I, I haven't seen an update or anything yet because it their next game was supposed to be today, actually, um, playing against Renegades in the Pro League. And even though it's an online league, I guess the internet in Australia is terrible and has a really high ping. So if they were to play there, they'd be at an extreme disadvantage playing against a team who is playing with good internet. So they're in quite the bad spot here. So before we even get to the ESL Pro League ramifications, which I think there are some, first off, I just I'm I'm so frustrated and annoyed and probably a little disappointed to see these stories continue to happen. Rotoware jumped into the esports scene probably about a year, a little about a year and a half ago, um, and and these stories were a little more commonplace back then. And I thought as more money's been interest uh, put into the scene, and and we've seen more interest develop, I think on um, more of a, a wide scale level. I was hoping these types of stories would go away. This is embarrassing, I think, for Winter Fox, and this is embarrassing a little bit for the CS:GO scene. And I think it's embarrassing for the fact that there isn't more uproar about it, right? I mean, I didn't really yeah. see that much concern with it. And maybe that's because Winter Fox isn't one of the best teams out there, and I understand that. But to have a player's uh, organization, team, whatever, stranded in a different continent is a big deal to me. Yeah. And when the owner is the one that's supposed to be fixing that, making it better, whether it be visas, whatever else, and, and he lets that go, that's, that's people's lives that are being affected in a drastic way. And I'm just so tired of seeing and hearing about these stories. 
Yeah, it's you know, it, like you talked about with you know, kind of these stories being commonplace a year ago when we when RotoWire first jumped in. I remember one of the first big uh, like scandals that it hit was the uh, I believe it was Renegades the, in the League of Legends how they were there was collusion with a former guy who had been banned. So they they ended up banning two teams completely from the LCS and because there was back payments and and little bad playing conditions and stuff like that. And back, like you said, that was the norm. And it has kind of it hasn't been as prevalent lately in the last couple of months. And and I think I think the thing here is the difference is CSGO, while there's a lot of like, you know, LCS is has its own structured system. Riot's been really good about putting that in place. Call of Duty World League has their own thing that Activision's been working really well um, getting that all together. Uh, with CSGO, there still isn't one unified league. Like, there is the ESL Pro League, yes. There is the Esports Championship Series, but these are all uh, leagues. And then the E-League, too. I mean, that, I mean that's yeah, and there's three E-League, yeah. different prominent leagues that you mentioned. So, we, I mean, I know there's always the discussion about being overworked and overplayed, and I, I absolutely believe that's a legit thing in CSGO, yeah. but... I agree with you that they're probably what you're leading probably to is the structure within that system. Yeah, just because more. yeah, there because there isn't a, a unified structure. There's just too many there's too many cooks in the kitchen when it comes to mm-hmm. all of these these leagues because you need to have one league. Like Valve, I think needs to step in and be a lot more vocal in setting up their own tournaments and setting up their own things. Work with ESL. Work with all these things. You know, they can have be sponsored for different splits. You know, like you could do. Like the LCS Summer Split sponsored by E-League or something like that. Have that one at the E-League headquarters or then do the ESL one for the for the Spring Split and have that be over there. But I think Valve needs to do a lot more to, to create structure so that this kind of stuff doesn't happen. Because like you said, this is ridiculous. You don't hear about this in the, the NBA or the NFL. So if this is going to keep happening, esports is never going to be taken seriously in the greater world of sports if you can't even pay your players. Well, I'm glad you brought up traditional sports um, because I think that's that's one of, obviously one of my focal points. I love doing that here with RotoWare, um, and I can always see a lot of comparisons to that, mainly because I've been so invested in traditional sports in the past and and really learning more about uh, esports as we're going on. Obviously, other traditional sports have had situations where there were two leagues. I think specifically of something like the XFL and the NFL, or even how the NFL was created. There was an AFC and there was an NFC. Uh, you look at the Canadian Football League. There are still multiple football leagues out there, even with NFL being the predominant one. So I think there's a situation where in CSGO, for example, we have three three major leagues that are fighting for what I would call like top dog status in CSGO. Mm-hmm. There probably will be one that ends up being the top dog, whatever it be, ECL or ECS, uh, ESL, or E-League. Mm-hmm. We'll see one of those kind of rise to the top. But I don't think that necessarily makes those other two not relevant. So, yeah. And I, I liked your idea that Valve needs to make a decision. But what if one of these leagues is just proactive about it, recognizes that, hey, we might be losing money on this, we might be losing sponsorships, um, people might just have a bad opinion of us. I mean, that's that's not uncommon with how this kind of goes. Uh, yeah. And they just decide to take a step back and almost focus on more of the up-and-coming talent teams, introducing mm-hmm. them to turn. I don't, I don't know a great way about this. All I know is yeah. that I'm very frustrated to continue to see these types of stories uh, come out. And I, I, wish, I wish that people wouldn't think this is such a commonplace thing because it can't be. In order for yeah. sports to improve and push past, it cannot be a commonplace thing. 
Yeah, I, th- I think the, the part that you key on is the fact that nobody was really talking about this story kind of shows the state of esports right now. The fact that nobody – there wasn't a huge uproar over the fact that these guys got stranded in Australia and aren't getting paid. Everybody was just like, oh, well, you know, that's esports for you. What are you going to do? That's something I think that's that's a mindset that needs to change, and it needs to change really soon because, like I said, esports is in a really good place right now. It, it can go one of either two directions. It can really explode or it can just kind of continue to stagnate at this level, and that kind of mindset is not going to help it explode. I have a feeling if a team like Astralis had the same type of deal go down, we'd see a lot more uproar. But then again, sure. I don't think this would happen to a team like Astralis because they're Agreed. a very well-run organization that I think they understand what their place is in esports, And that's a good thing. I'm not meaning like a bad thing. They mm-hmm. understand that they are carrying not only just themselves, their brand, but in a whole, a whole demographic of people and uh, sport that they have to make a, a positive reputation for. And you don't see that type of stuff. So yeah. this, this is on winter Fox, obviously in, in the macro, uh, in the micro, I should say, but, the overarching thing is that we can't continue to let these things slide. We can't continue to let these things be a prevalent thing. I'm tired of reading an ESPN Jacob Wolf story about how a team isn't paying their players, and those are still prevalent too. Yeah. ESPN, mm-hmm. Jacob, Jacob Wolf does a great job with reporting those stories, but I'm frustrated in seeing them in the first place because that's not something that should be happening either. That's yeah, well, and in, in the, in the, in the worst part about it is that it happens and nothing happens to the teams. Like these owners are, nothing is happening to them. Like at least that's why I think if there was some sort of structure in place, then if they didn't pay their team, there would be a fine from the league. You know, the league or, or whoever, you know, Valve, whether or if ESL takes it over, if E-League takes it over, there would be some sort of repercussions for these owners that are, that are doing these things. But there is nothing at this point. They're doing it, they're not paying their players, and they're just getting away with it. So it's just, it's not right. I think that's a bit of foreshadowing into our next Call of Duty story that we'll talk about a little later on in the podcast. But let's go back to CSGO for a second, move past the Wonder Fox issue. Um, I, I think another interesting storyline that we've kind of seen develop over this week is that Swag is standing in for Cloud9 in their most recent matchup. Obviously, Swag has been suspended for the past, I think... 2015, yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's years that he's been suspended recently was introduced back as long uh, as well as many other players um and is finally getting his chance to play again we really kind of missed the boat initially when all this hoopla was uh, occurring with the suspension stuff but why i'm curious your thoughts on these suspended players coming back and and taking center stage now yeah so i mean the one with swag is in a, in a little bit of a weird position just because he's going to be coming in for a non-valve sponsored event which is why he's able to play because there was like just to backtrack a little bit with the bands and everything, there was basically two different tracks uh, of people who got banned. There were people who got banned for match fixing. And then there were people who got banned for cheating at land tournaments. And, you know, just off the top of your head, you would assume that a land tournament ban would put you out for a lot longer than just match banned from land tournaments. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) But that has not been the case. So all the people who were banned, who, uh, the ban for match for LAN events was only two years. So those guys are all coming back now. And the permanent, there was a permanent ban for match fixing, which is what swag is under. Um, so he is still technically banned, but because this is a non valve event, he is able to, um, to participate in it. But even looking at the fact that bans for cheating at a LAN event was only two years and they can come back and play now. 
I, I don't agree with that because if you have, if you ever cheated at a LAN event, chances are you're probably going to do it again, and that hurts the integrity of the game. And I don't think that you should be allowed back in. Like that should be lifetime. You you cheated a LAN, you're done. Okay, I push back on that a little bit. I think that we're saying a lot of hyperbole here. We know that we don't know for certain that chances are that if you cheat once, you're going to cheat again. That's true. I mean, true. I, true. That's that's in anything in life, whether it be you know video games, relationships, anything like that. That's not necessarily uh, something that you can assume. But I agree with you that it does, it, it could, it could affect the integrity of the game. Not that it does, but it could. Yeah. And I know that um, CSGO is obviously trying to still kind of battle back from its gambling roots that it came from and all mm-hmm. the CSGO skins and stuff like that. A scale of which that you were worried about something like this occurring again where there was, you know, match fixing or heaven forbid something like that happen. That would definitely be, a, I, I would say catastrophic. Maybe that's a little bit too harsh of a word, but I'll stick with a catastrophic thing to the CSGO scene. Um, yeah. And, and you are making it a little more possible by including these guys in here. That being said, I really like to give people second chances. That's just my philosophy in life. So um, if you have been suspended two years, that is a pretty significant punishment. Now, they're yeah. probably still making a lot of money through streams or whatever, especially if you're a good player, that is. Um, so that, that shouldn't hurt you. But you're, you're out on a lot of different events. You're out on the competitive scene. You can't really participate in that. And that's kind of one of the things I've learned with esports is that we are all one big family, and you are, you're being cast out of your family in that sense. So I, I'm, I'm torn. I understand where it could be a problem, but I also don't like punishing somebody and just assuming they'll do it again. That's true. And I, and I think probably more of my my angst on this issue is just the fact that there there isn't one unified process for this or there isn't one unified ban because certain you know certain cheating is not seen equally apparently according to valve so i think that's kind of where it's a little bit more frustrating just because you can do one thing and get a lifetime ban and do another thing and only get a two-year ban so it just seems like there should be meet in the middle somewhere make it so that you know if you cheat at any sort of thing whether you match fix whether you cheat on an online league whether you cheated to land there should be one punishment for a cheater so i mean if you want to bring them back like you said there is you know rehabilitation is a thing um so i think it, it it's fine to let them back um but i think there just needs to be a little bit more um just to clarify you're not you're not suggesting that um suspensions should be the same penalty regardless of how how they might have um, broken or cheated the law, right? I mean, I think that there are varying degrees of what someone could consider cheating, and that would then affect how the punishment goes. Or are you saying just anyone that cheats, boom, you know, 50-year suspension or something like that? Well, I think it's just because, it like, I don't understand what the, the line that they're drawing between match-fixing and cheating in a land like cheating in a land gets you two years but match fixing gets you a lifetime ban it just seems like there's a way too broad of a spectrum there that you know two years or lifetime for things that are pretty similar in my eyes Mm -hmm. so that's why i think there just needs to be a little they need to kind of revamp that system a little bit because that system of, of banning just doesn't seem completely uh, accurate or right, in my opinion. Okay, I, I think that probably comes with the maturation of esports system in general when we start yeah. to have more defined rules and more regulations for this t- type of stuff. Because I, I mean, when we had discussed this earlier um, in, in past podcasts, where 
we'll see that the esports scene starts to get a little bit more guidelines and rules in place when we see more of this big money come in because those investors yeah. will not want to stick around when they see you know the wish-washy stuff and the negative backlash that comes with that and rightfully so so I, yeah. I imagine that the maturation of esports will develop itself within these rules but i have to agree with you that if if there is match fixing going on regardless if it's an online league or a land league that should be a lifetime suspension I was just saying, like, well, what, whoops, somebody accidentally pulled the cord while they're playing a game. I, I don't think they need to be suspended two years or whatever. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, that that's not something. And I think even the stuff that happened at Lands, it wasn't even just, uh, oh, oops, I pulled the cord. It was more of like a deeper, I think yeah. they were using, you know, uh, side-loading programs onto the onto the hard drives and stuff like that. Because, um, I mean, that kind of, the pulling the land plug and, and quitting early, that's stuff that's actually happened over in the LCK before. Um, and they, and it's teams have, in most places that I've, that I've yeah. So I mean, so team and that's, and, and in those situations, teams just lose like a point or they right. get awarded an extra loss or something like that. Um, which is fine. Suspension uh, put down. The yeah. Or the, yeah. The team, yeah. The team suspends the play or something like that. But yeah, I think there just needs to be a little bit more, um, that Valve needs to do to just kind of rework that system of banning. Oh, I think that's fair. And I, I would agree with you. I just wanted to clarify your points on it to make sure that yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, the people understood what you were trying to say, Wyatt. <laughs> um, well, let's move right on to Call of Duty. Um, I mean, most times, at least, we're kind of in a bit of a dead period here. We have C- CWL Birmingham starting off this weekend. Um, but prior to that, we really didn't have many events going on. But boy, oh boy, there was a lot of news that has occurred, at least in the last <laughs> week and a half. And, of course, that happens mainly while I've been gone. But we've kind of seen this situation develop in the last three days, or at least accelerate in the development process in the last three days. Uh, I'm talking specifically of Gosu Crew. Um, they missed out on qualification for the CWL Global Pro League. They were kind of one of the last teams that was fighting for a spot. We saw Enigma 6 get in. We saw Cloud9 get in. We saw Evil Geniuses get in. And your boys, Panda Gaming, and then Gosu Crew kind of missed out on the boat with that qualification. And Panda Gaming. I know, I know. And we'll get to them. I promise. Well, we'll yeah, we'll, we'll talk. Okay, okay. We'll okay. stick to Gosu Crew right now. <laughs> Everything has dissolved at this point. I mean, this is this is yeah. about as pure anarchy, anarchy as you can get. And the worst part is, I don't know which side I fall on with this whole story. So we've seen now Ghost Crew. Uh, they had four members on their team previously. Most of them are now trying to leave, find different uh, different teams to then qualify for the CWL Stage Two qualification process, which would then kind of you have to you have to battle where you're up. It's a long process. We don't have to really get into that part. But players are leaving from Ghost Crew. Ghost Crew is saying. Hey, no, you're actually not going to be leaving right now because we're going to put some premium buyouts on on your name itself. So, hey, we can't you can't get bought out unless a team really wants to pay a lot of money. And obviously, most of the organizations that have not qualified for the CWL Global Pro League are some of the smaller ones. They might not have a lot of cash moving around, or they might just not think that it's worth it to pay for some of these players. That's now caused uh, someone like Drama, which I think is a very apt name for this situation. <laughs> Drama on Gosu Crew to go out, uh, lash out on Twit Longer and say that Gosu Crew has purposely tried to uh, stop his Call of Duty career, uh, him from building his Call of Duty career. He's been screwed. That's in his words. I'm putting a kind of quote unquote on it. Screwed by Gosu Crew since December as far as uh, buyout clauses being put in place and him building teams. He has wanted to leave the team. We see other teams or other players from Ghost Crew, including Mox and Exotic. They are trying to join Parasite's new group, um, which I think is going to be a team that could definitely qualify for CWL Global Pro League Stage 2. Um, we, we see Mox and Exotic kind of get caught in the same boat, and Ghost Crew has announced that today they came out with a statement saying, all the players are still on our team. 
They are not going anywhere else until somebody pays a buyout fee that we are agreeing to because we have them contractually obligated to do such. So why did I ask you, which side are you on here, the players or the organization? While I understand the organization's point of, you know, hey, we've put a lot of money into, you know, making sure that everything is good with you guys' training, you know, your practice schedule so that we can get to these leagues and, and try to qualify. But for me, them not qualifying for the um, to, for stage one is akin to an LCS team getting relegated because you're not making it to that 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 next spot. Um, and if you look at the case of NRG Esports last season, um, they got relegated from the LCS, and the team actually released all of the players and said, "Hey, you guys, go ahead, find some new places to play." And I think that that's the right move because when you're on a team that is playing at the highest level, you're in you know the World League or you're in the LCS, you're clearly there. You're top talent. You're you're a pro. You're trying to to do your best. And if you're not making it to that level, you should be able to find another place to go and, you know, to play. So I, I feel like the, the team, Ghost of Crew, as an organization, is being a little bit petty here. Um, that being said, I think that Drama is is also being a little bit uh, – he's kind of seems to be exaggerating a little bit. Um, I don't think Ghost of Crew is, is intentionally trying to stop him from making a career in Call of Duty – um, you know, it, they're, they're a business and they're just trying to protect their assets. So I, I can see both sides. Well, I, I wish the drama could have went about it a different way. Um, but I, I do empathize with the players more in this situation. How would you, this is, this brings up a good question because I don't know the answer to it. How would you have wanted drama to go about it? Um, you said you wanted to give it a different way. What way would that be? I think just just not putting in all of this this inflammatory language of you know oh they're screwing me over or you know they're trying to intentionally harm me. I, I think if he just put out a statement that said hey you know I'm just trying to to do my best. I'm trying to get onto the best teams. You know I'm thankful for what the Ghost Crew as an organization did for me. But at this point in time, I just really want to get out there and play for you know in stage one. I just really want to be out there playing with the best, trying to win these titles. So I think that he should he could have went from more of a uh, like the high road instead of going the kind of flaming ghost crew as he goes out the doorway. Okay, I, I I get what you're saying, and yeah, I think it's I think it's easy for us to sit here on our uh, you know pedestal microphones here and say <laughs> that we want every player to take the high road, and I and I have done that before. I, I say that as well, uh, and I I think that there are situations where that probably is the appropriate move to do i don't know if that's the case this scenario i don't know what drama like i'm just thinking like i'm his place what else am i supposed to do really the only way that i can try and force a change force a move is through uh my brand my twitter profile there whatever else i communicate to my fans to try and get a little bit of upheaval in the call of duty scene and try to move the process along because clearly my my price is being put too high I can't move to where I want to go to, and and I'm stuck. And my thought is, well, you signed the contract. That's kind of you have to play it out. That is, but looking past that, yeah, I would be upset. I would try to find a way to get out of that in the best way possible. And now, again, I don't think this is the route I would take, but I can't really blame him for kind of coming out and saying this kind of stuff um, because I think he is concerned about his future and he's concerned about being in a tough situation organizationally. And probably feels a little bad that he put himself in this place in the first place. 
and I don't, I don't, I don't have any inside information. So maybe I, yeah. maybe I'm completely off base, and I'm fine admitting that too. But that's just my thought process on the initial looking at this thing is that hey, you know, he's feeling a little bit, you know, like he's trapped, and that he put himself in this first in the first place. Yeah, well, and I think that that is a fair point that him trying to sort of raise kind of a hoopla is going to bring attention to the issue and and could spark enough reaction that that Gosu's hand is kind of forced. And that's, you know, something kind of similar, you know, where we're talking about Winter Fox, there wasn't that outroar and that hoopla for that. So in this situation, he may be trying to generate the necessary hoopla to, you know, get people to do things, to to kind of force Gosu's hand and make them say, oh, well, maybe this is a bad PR move. Maybe we should not do this. Here's what I'll say on behalf of Gosu crew. I'm not quite sure I like the approach they're taking, but Gosu crew had the former E United roster under their logo. Now we've seen that E United roster take second place. Well, currently they're in the pro point standings. I think second place, they, they've won multiple events or gotten close to winning multiple events. They had a real legit team that could have brought major exposure to their brand. They sold them to E United. I mean, from what the stories I remember, it was more like E United off, just decided to buy them out. I think Gosu Crew wanted to keep them and they, and they just couldn't afford to keep them because... Uh, the our cities guys and everyone else they wanted to go to greener pastures so to speak mm-hmm. so they're trying to protect themselves from having the same situation unfold and like i said before we kind of went into this whole spiel i think that that roster with mox exotic uh parasite and i think um uh, shoot it's the uh, gunless no not gunless it's another guy from um man i'm gonna get upset about this now it's another guy from, <laughs> from allegiance anyway i think that roster has a very legitimate chance at making, mm-hmm. a, making a run at CWL Stage 2 qualification, which, again, would then have major exposure to your organization as a whole. So they're trying to protect themselves from having a similar situation take place. Now, they look bad because it's kind of all unfolded through Twitter and every, and all through else that, and other players have already signed on to go to different teams, yada, yada, yada. But I, I don't know, as an organization, what, what they, else they're supposed to do. They saw some quality talent that they really kind of helped develop and, and procure leave and do great things great things yeah if they feel like this organization this organization this roster can do the same type of thing well why would they let them go unless they're getting a premium price back for it it's kind of shady it's kind of stinky to have the situation unfold that way but i i don't necessarily blame them for wanting this extra money especially seeing how everything else unfolded with that now united roster yeah, I mean, that's true. You know, with you mentioning the the way it kind of went down with the EU United, this does kind of seem like a we don't want to get burned twice kind of thing. We, you know, we don't want this to happen again. Right. And so they're, you know, because they got bought out last time. Now they're like, well, let's put some really high prices let's there so some, that we don't get bought worth out. It, right. Exactly. Yeah. So, I mean, and, and that's fair. You know, you should like I, I feel like that is fair. You should want to keep your players, especially if you feel like you have a good core. You should be able to, to keep that core. Um, like I said, the fact that they, they're kind of putting randomly, and I mean not random, but at, at this point in time, the fact that they're putting these really high buyouts in, it does make it seem a little bit wonky. Um, and it just looks shady. Um, but I mean, like I said, there, there definitely is a, a reason behind what they're doing. Here's the thing. I think that you could see the talent that that former now United roster, that former Ghost Crew team had. Um, and you could see, I think, small shades of what they have really become this this year. I'm not quite certain that we see the same type of stuff out of this current Gosu Crew roster, but that doesn't mean 
that they shouldn't try to extract the highest price possible if they, in fact, think that that's the similar type of situation. I don't know. I'm not, I'm not talking yeah. with Gosu Crew. I, I don't have any connections with that, so I'm kind of just left speculating. But that's, I, I don't, my initial reaction was, oh, hey, you know, get mad at Gosu Crew and, you know, go with the player because that's kind of what esports does as a whole. But I, I take a step back, look at the situation a little bit more in the organization's eyes, and I can be like, okay, I understand trying to get extra amount of money. I think yeah. before, before we kind of go more into CWL Birmingham, there is more to this Gosu Crew puzzle, and it actually has something to do with the guy that I have not mentioned yet, Priest. Priest uh, I'm not quite sure which name he's going by at this point, uh, and that's a little frustrating for me on, on this side of things. But <laughs> for, this, for this instance, we'll go with Priest. Um, he was looking to join Enigma 6. It looked like he was all set up, at least earlier last week. Uh, and that was because, and I'm going to again do quote unquote, and I'm really, I'm really going to exaggerate this time for the camera. Unfortunately, no one can see it, but quote unquote, <laughs> Mr. Rees or M. Rees, um, was going to retire, therefore allowing Priest to play as a substitute player for Enigma 6. And this was quickly, it looked to be squashed uh, by CWL, thankfully. I think I'm thankfully about that. But there is there is a chance that this situation could unfold again if Mr. Ruiz decides, you know, or somebody else decides to retire and we have a mm-hmm. substitute player come on and play for them. Well, there's nothing that they really can do. This, this was just done in such, a, such an obvious fashion that CWL had to step in and say, no, no, this yeah. isn't going to happen, guys. <laughs> Sorry. And I guess we should be more thankful that it wasn't like, uh, a legit organization, not not legit, I shouldn't say that, a bigger organization like Optic Gaming that decided to do something like this because then you'd have the fans saying, well, wait, why not? Why can't we do that? You know, And, and then yeah. there's, there's a lot more push for that. Um, but w- I'm curious what your thoughts are on this because it was just so painfully obvious what Enigma 6 was trying to do, what Priest was trying to do, and we had the situation kind of squashed. But there are definitely concerns that could come from this. Yeah, like this is this is certainly a trend that I can see teams kind of kind of doing. So it's good that that the CWL did step in, and so that they didn't allow this to be a precedent. Um, you know, they didn't say, "Oh, that, that's fine." And then if a team like Optic did it, they were just like, "Oh, no, no, no!" And then everybody was like, especially Optic fans, because good lord, right, um, that's what I'm saying. Like, I, mean, like, you know, <laughs> I can see it now, and I I yeah. like Optic Gaming as a team. I like the players. Same. Um, I. I can't always say that I like some members of the Optic fan base, uh, but that's just going to be the nature when you are such a popular organization in esports as a general. Yeah. But I could absolutely see the uproar that would come with that. Well, hey, I mean, there's no rules for it. I mean, he's he's retiring. He wants to go off in the sunset. They just want so much money. Yada yada yada. <laughs> yeah, I can I can absolutely see a situation that comes unfolds from that. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So it'll be very interesting to see if this is something that's going to pop up where these guys are like, oh, I'm going to retire now. I don't really want to do this, you know, with another player waiting right in the wings to kind of just slide into that spot. So, yeah, we'll uh, we'll have to see how that one goes. I think what we can all assume is that Enigma 6 will, in fact, make the roster move when they legally can at the start of yeah. CWL Stage 2. Um, I don't know if that's the bigger... I, I like Priest um, as a player. I think he's actually pretty good, and he probably could give Enigma 6 a better, a better dimension dynamic um, when it comes to their team, but I'm not sure that replacing that chemistry is going to be good right before their, their match. And I guess they play in the very last group, I'm pretty certain, so they would have had time to get together. But I, I actually don't know if that move really, really would have worked out the way Enigma 6 would have intended. So I guess yeah. we'll kind of see how it plays out. 
All right, Wyatt, we have a little bit of time left. Let's go ahead and discuss CWL Birmingham. It's a European-only event, um, and, and it's kind of, I think, the luster's taken off a little bit from it because we're waiting on CWL Stage 1. Um, that being said, there is $50,000 on the line for this tournament that's going to take place Friday through Sunday, uh, and there is 10,000 pro points going to first place, among other things. So there, there is stuff to play for here. The fact yeah. that it's just a European-only event, I'm, I'm tired of people saying that those don't matter anymore because they do. That's a big deal to me. I think Europe's scene has really improved, um, even at the start of, even at the beginning of last year. We saw European quality develop into something pretty, pretty awesome to watch. So I think the favorites obviously have to be spliced. They were the best team to come from Europe in the CWL Stage 1. Uh, they're in Group A, and they really don't have much competition in the form of Black Forest Green Gaming and iGame. Um, but maybe Splice gets knocked off. I mean, there were roster moves that came in. I don't know. What are your thoughts on Splice as a team as a whole and, and maybe how they'll do in CWL Birmingham? Yeah, I mean, they definitely have been a team that, you know, in the little bit of Call of Duty that, that I get to catch every now and then between everything else, they are always very strong. Or not, I mean, not always, but lately they've been very strong. Um, and I do like with what, what I've seen with them. Um, you know, they they dropped Josh in, in zero, or they dropped Josh, picked up zero. Um, so And they're still seeming to seemingly playing pretty well. So they look like they're going to be pretty good. I, I don't think that Black Forest... Uh, Black Forest Green Gaming, that's a mouthful. Um, them <laughs> or teams, that's why. That's why they have to put the green. <laughs> oh, got it. Yeah, got, yeah. got it. Um, <laughs> but so them and then I game. I don't really think that either one of those are going to put much of a of a test first place. I mean, once we get to the playoff rounds, maybe a team like you know Elevate or Fnatic can maybe weasel their way in there and give Spice a little bit of a run for their money. Um, but I still think Spice is probably going to take it. Um, overall but they might have some opposition coming the later rounds and see I, I agree with you I, I would expect that they sweep their group and pretty handily too that's at least been the case for that first opening day of the, the very first european only event that it was kind of just oh an easy walk through for those initial teams that being said the the action really did pick up at the saturday and sunday i think that red reserve is the team that could give splice a, a run for their money if we're saying splice is the best now, uh, you know, Optic Gaming, I would consider to be the best team in North American Call of Duty. But the fact that there are, you know, 182 teams playing, it's tough to actually make it run through. So we're, we are admitting that Splice is the best, but I am not admitting that they have the best chance of winning at all. I think that a team like Red Reserve could very easily knock Splice off, and I think that could put a bit of a dent in Splice's momentum heading into the CWL Global Pro League. That's This is... this. There's a lot of... I think downside to playing in this as opposed to um, the positives for it. We know that the $50,000 is on the line and everything else, but the momentum that you could either gain or lose playing this tournament, I think yeah. is pretty long reaching considering that CWO uh, global pro league stage one is $750,000 on the line. Yeah. Well, I think too, like the fact that, that, you know, a team like splice, who is very good, if they go into this tournament and especially just in their group, they're playing against teams that aren't that great. So they're not going to be getting the best, right. you know, high quality practice going into the world league. So you've got a team like optic, who's just going to be sitting back doing scrims and just doing their normal practice regimen. And they're going to be getting consistent high level practice. And whereas Splice is going to be playing against some teams that, you know, aren't going to be anywhere near the top 20 or the top 15. Um, so that could certainly hurt them going into the pro league because they might see these teams 
you're like, well, or they might feel very confident having beat these teams and then go into the World League a little bit too big for their britches, right. or they could, or they could do bad at this thing and be like, wait, what's going on? What's going what, on what, what, yeah, mm-hmm. that's, so, that's that's my biggest concern, and that's why I think there there are some sneaky big storylines at this tournament. I don't care that it's only fifty thousand dollars and. It's only European teams. There's a lot of things that could not only affect this tournament itself, but the future tournaments and how everything else plays out. Don't don't be surprised if we see a hot team really kind of run through this and take that momentum into CWL. And then the reverse, we see a team either struggle or get too hot in this one and then, and then kind of lose that momentum that they had. I'll be curious to see how that all plays out when we actually see this uh, stage one unfold. Yeah, I agree. I think this is... I'm curious to see how this weekend goes, just specifically for these teams that are in um, the CWL already. So it'll be interesting to see how they play. Uh, And then going from that, looking at how they play once everything starts up in a few weeks, um, just to see exactly how this is going to affect them. If it's going to affect them negatively, positively, or just, you know, how it's going to shake things out. I agree. All right. Well, that does it for us. And uh, the first edition of Offensive Assault RotoWare's esports dedicated podcast. Uh, why we, we kind of went through a lot of different topics here, but it was a good time. I, I'd love to get to more Overwatch as we, as we see some more stories develop and unfold. Um, I'd love to hear from other people as what we can talk about some more. But the best way to do this is probably contact through us Twitter, and you can find me at JB Fantasy Sports. Um, why? Where can everyone find you at? Uh, they can find me at Wyatt double underscore RW. Make sure to get that double underscore. Got to get that double underscore so don't try and contact <laughs> the girl that stole your Twitter handle. Yeah, exactly. I mean, she might have some opinions on, on the Call of Duty World League, but probably not. She gets more screen time on our podcast than I think like, most really, of us yeah, do as the host. Probably. I, I have so no people, idea I how, to... We're going to have to bring her on one time just to see if she want to talk because really? we've, <laughs> tossed, we've tossed her enough that I think she'd, she'd be a very interesting person to, to hear from. <laughs> probably, yeah. <laughs> All right, well, that does it for us, and we'll get back to you again next week, kind of breaking down more CWL Birmingham, CSGO news, and everything else that comes along with the first-person shooter. This was Offensive Assault.